Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion, unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No. These are the other stories. <laughs> Cardboard. Written by Luke Condor. Narrated by Joseph Maudsley. Michael North wasn't a man of means by any stretch of the imagination. He got by, sure. He put bread on the table, kept the lights on, kept the little blue LED on the Wi-Fi router blinking. His daughter, Ada, and son, Gary, had pencils and pens and erasers for the pencil cases, exercise books and blank notebooks for their studies, freshly clean socks and shiny new shoes courtesy of their mother and each of them had fancy mobile phones that allowed them to access the big bad internet the phones had parental locks on them of course michael wasn't about to let his children stumble upon any of those websites of the pornographic variety be that sexual or violent he stumbled on a few of those on his own the internet was a slippy place indeed Nope, 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 Michael said aloud as he worked. None of that dirty internet for my kids, no siree. The idea of his perfect little innocence going through their childhood and coming out the other side somehow tainted, like tar-stained choir gowns, made him feel physically sick. Nope, he said again, finger raised this time. See... Michael had built his family life around nice things, pleasant things, cuddle-you-to-sleep things. 
After a rough childhood himself, with the absent mother and the father who worked as a bouncer on the weekends, able to refuse others the drink but not himself, Michael wanted nothing but nice for his kids. Nothing but love. But he didn't have much money for toys and games. And after seeing just how violent the latest computer games were getting, he was half glad he couldn't afford it. But he was a deft hand when it came to building things out of cardboard. He could build props, costumes and toys during his lunch hour at the box factory. And he was damn good at it. Cardboard was a tool of his trade. And all oh, the things he could make with it. Cardboard cars, painted up in red and black, with the rotating cardboard steering wheel inside. Cardboard spaceships with rotating dials and blast arrays. And it even once made a cardboard guitar with roll-up sticky tape strings. It didn't make much noise, but Gary seemed to enjoy it. And that was all that mattered. Good, clean, lovely fun. But this, Michael thought as he looked upon his current work in progress, this was something truly special. This was the 2.0 of the cardboard crafts world. This was the future. Gary's gonna love it, he whispered, barely able to contain his own giddy excitement as he got back to work. Snipping, taping, drawing, painting. He'll never go back to that VR murder party game ever again. VR Murder Party was a game that Gary had mentioned several times since it launched two months prior. A game that was so choked full of violence and gore that even the thought of it gave him the willies. Several of them. Not only was it that the game had you take control of a serial killer, arming yourself with whatever weapon you could find lying around to maim and gut and torture, but it was all built into this newfangled virtual reality technology that made it feel so real. Made it feel like you were inside the game. The game itself was a whopping £80, and with the VR headset on top, it came in at a mean £349. And that was before taxes. It was just too much. It was a no-go. Michael North, greatest dad in the world, simply couldn't afford it. He stopped for a second, dropped his paintbrush, felt that same wave of shame wash over him, rinse out the excitement, made him feel like he was a failure, that his son would be better off raised by someone who worked up in management, maybe not even in a cardboard box factory at all, just a regular person but with money. And it only made it sting just that little more every time Gary mentioned it. Do you know that VR Murder Party game has over 200,000 unlockable achievements, Daddy? You get different levels of experience points depending on how loud you make the victims scream. 
the thought of it brought a bitter taste to the back of his throat. Daddy, do you think Santa would bring me the VR murder party game for Christmas this year? I've been really good, I promise. Michael was starting to tear up now at the memory. He'd not been able to answer his boy then, and now his eyes were feeling full and heavy. More so as he pictured the hope on Gary's face each time he'd asked the same question. His ruddy little cheeks brimming with excitement, and a wide smile that said, Please? And then the time that really made Michael feel like a failure. They were walking home from school, hand in hand, crossing the road, talking about what was for tea when Gary suddenly looked up and said, It's okay, Daddy. I know we don't have much money. I can live without it. And now, working away on his new project, Michael was crying, repeating the word, sorry, over and over to himself. At the time, he'd told his son, thanks for understanding, which was an admission to his son of two things. One, he's correct, daddy has no money. And two, that's correct, Santa isn't real. And it's actually daddy who buys the presents of which he can't afford. Oh God, he said now, wiping the tears away from his eyes. I'm so sorry, Gary. I'm so sorry. For a second, he felt like rolling up into a little ball. Maybe building himself a cocoon of cardboard. Hiding himself away for a while to emerge next year with fully functional cardboard wings and cardboard money so lifelike you could spend it at the shops and buy all the sweets and cola that you want. He pictured himself floating over Mansfield High Street, Gary riding on his back with a can of coke in one hand and a lollipop in the other as he checked his phone, saw the time, felt his tears dry up almost instantly felt the surge of excitement once more, jolting through his body like he'd mainlined a cappuccino. Holy moly, he said. It's already 1.30. He only had an hour and a half left before his babysitter, Susan, dropped Gary off at the doors of the cardboard factory. Looking once more upon the work of the last six hours, his pride was returned. You're a genius, Michael. You're a bloody genius. The room that was once known as Michael North's office had been completely transformed into Michael's magical world of fluff. Using all the skills of his repertoire, he'd built an entire colourful kingdom of pink and green and yellow and love heart red. He'd painted smiling little critters moving in and out of their tree houses in the purple marshmallow forests. He'd made mystical floating puff fairies appear to be flying over the icing sugared mountaintops. And he'd painted pretty bubblegum princesses in their castles, crying out for their hero. Looking around, it was like he'd stepped into a cartoon world of fun. He fist bumped. It looked real enough to trick the eye, but that was only the one element. This wasn't just a painting. This was a virtual reality game. He'd added heaps of interactivity to his fluffy world. A finely crafted string pull would make the critters cheer. 
a tripwire would trigger the chocolate volcano to erupt, and certain motion sensors would start the music. A little ditty he recorded himself on his phone, called, Gary is the greatest son in the world. But that wasn't all. A game wouldn't be a game without an antagonist. A villain. Thanks again for doing this. He called out to the volcano at the end of the room. There was silence. Suddenly, the top of the volcano lifted up, revealing two pretty little eyes. It's okay, the voice said. It's getting warm in here, though. Well, I I promise I'll make it up to you. More silence. VR murder party? That's nothing compared to VR fluffy party. Michael roared victoriously as he taped the last tab shut to his final prop, the element that would complete his creation, the VR headset. It, too, was made of cardboard, a rectangular slit for the eyes and a cardboard belt fixed to a string which would hold it to the player's head. Outside, he heard the crunching of car tyres on the gravel road. Quickly now, he placed the industrial box cutter and sticky tape in his pocket. The car whined as it came to a stop. He's here. Already. Holy hell. Okay, you you wait here. Uh, the show is on. Let's do this and have fun, yeah? No answer. Yeah? He called out. Okay. The voice grumpily called back, his pretty little helper, his darling villain. Suddenly, he heard the tinkling of Gary's laughter outside. Heard Susan calling for him to wait for his papa at the entrance. Michael left the room, closed the door quietly, and then ran giddily towards the entrance. He slowed when the main office doors opened, letting in a square of daylight. And in came Gary. They hugged, kissed, and even before saying hello, Michael blurted out, You know how you wanted the VR murder party game? Gary looked confused for a second, but soon enough his eyes began to light up wider and wider. The eyes of Christmas morning. Well, I got you. Something better, Michael said pulling the cardboard headset from behind his back, offering it to his son, whose eyes were quickly dimming as he looked at the old mishappen headset painted black with marker. What is it? Gary said. It's a VR headset. Is it? Come on, try it on, for Daddy. Gary nodded leaned forward and let his father wrap the headset around him, tie a knot into the string, a quick adjustment so that the eyes lined up with the viewing holes, and then they were walking. What now? You'll see, you'll see. They walked to Michael's office doors and stopped. Are you ready for the greatest game of your life? Gary nodded, and like Willy Wonka at the doors of his chocolate factory, 
Michael opened the office and allowed his son to be transported into the new realm of wonder. In they stepped. Holy moly indeed. Even Michael couldn't believe how good it looked. Each of his characters appeared to be moving. There seemed to be a breeze floating through the woods. And then, up ahead, were the faint cries of the princesses, trapped like Rapunzel in their castles. It was perfect. Michael looked down to his son, feeling that shame threatening to wash over him once again. The shame of a failed father. Well, he said. Gary looked up. It's... It's... It's amazing, Daddy. Really? It's like being in another world. Suddenly, Michael felt a great weight lift from his shoulders, his heart, his soul, as he watched Gary explore the kingdom of fluff, stopping to pay attention to every little detail, giggling at the way the world interacted with him. How did you get the graphics to look so real? Graphics? Wow. He actually thinks this is all virtual. I, uh, I, I did a course. An online one. Michael watched with pure joy as Gary ventured towards the castles, taking in as much of the love as possible when he felt his phone vibrating in his pocket. Not now, he thought, watching as Gary walked towards the villain's hiding place. He's just going to love this so much. The phone didn't stop, though. It nagged him, and for a second Michael thought it might be the history teacher, Mr Owen, once again trying to explain why Gary needed to know about World War II. He sighed, took out his phone, Feeling the sticky tape catch on it, he pulled it, brushed it off. Something clanged on the floor, but he ignored it. Wanting to get the phone call over and done with the ASAP and get back to the magic. Remember, son, he said, stepping backwards out of the door, seeing the volcano cap lift. Seeing his co-conspirator's pretty eyes. You can touch and interact in this game too. It's your world. It's not real, it's virtual. He emphasised the last word, knowing full well that it was the buzzword of the day, and would probably heighten his son's enjoyment. The door to the land of fluff closed behind him. I honestly don't think Gary needs to learn about all that violence, Mr Owen, he said to the phone, but quickly realising that it was Susan, the babysitter. Oh! Sorry, hi Susan. Sorry, Mr North, it's just... You know how you told me about the VR murder party game and how you didn't want your son playing with it and all that? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. He wasn't listening. Only heard as his daughter, Ada, dressed up as the lava monster bursting from her hiding spot in the volcano, triggering the music. Gary is the greatest kid in the world! He sniggered at his own singing voice, his best Bon Jovi impression. 
is the coolest guy I ever known. Well, it's just... I heard him talking in the car about how he's been spending time at Stevens, the kid who lives two doors down. Gary, oh, I love you! Yeah, go on. He was listening now, feeling something dark enter his inner land of fluff. Well, him and Stephen had been sneaking into their dad's room and playing it. Uh, They were talking about all the violent stuff and how they snuffed out an old man asking for change. Susan went on. But Michael wasn't listening anymore. All the fluff seemed to fall out from under him in an instant. His phone suddenly seemed too heavy for his arms as it dropped to the side. He's been playing VR murder party. He felt like crying again. Gary, go! Go, greatest, yeah! That's why he said he was fine with not getting it. He's already been playing it. He entered the office again. Because now, it was an office. And nothing more. Not the magical world of fluff. And here, the phone dropped to the floor. The critters in the woods seemed to have stopped their dancing and waving. Now they were just stupid little cartoons. They all were. None of it looked real. It was just the fanciful doodles of a stupid old man with no money and too much time. And the blood didn't help either. All the crying. I did it, Daddy, Gary said, standing over the lava monster, victorious. Did what, son? Those pretty little co-conspirators' eyes were shaking in their sockets. Fear and little else in them now, drained of love and fun. Gary was stood above his sister, Ada, holding the blooded box cutter, the blade dripping with red. It's not real, it's virtual. The words he'd said to his son just a moment ago. Virtual. I killed the monster, Daddy. Gary is the greatest kid in the world. The box cutter must have fallen out of my pocket, he thought, tapping the outside of his trousers but feeling nothing but the outline of the tape. Must have fallen out when I took my phone out. The music rocked along. Yeah, yeah, Gary, great little dude. As Michael dropped to his knees, feeling the warm pool of blood soak into the fabric of his knees, and watched as his son made well and sure that the monster was truly defeated, over and over and over cutting into his sister with all the natural skill of his father cutting into cardboard. It's not real. It's not real. It's not real. 
That's great, son. Great job. At some point, Mike would have to tell his son how he'd killed his sister. Stabbed her upwards of 36 times. But not just yet. He didn't want to spoil the fun just yet. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Other Stories. Cardboard is written by Luke Condor, narrated by Joseph Maudsley, edited by Carl Hughes, and music by Fatal Rabbit and Tom Robson. So, there are a lot of great audio dramas and horror fiction podcasts out there right now, and we wanted to point you guys in the direction of one of our favourites, The White Vault Podcast. A podcast that follows the collected records of a repair team sent to outposts fristed in the vast white wastes of Svalbard, and unravel what lies waiting in the ice below. If that sounds like your cup of tea, go search for The White Vault on your favourite podcast app now, or listen to this short clip, and then go search for it. I'm reaching out for seizure group and possible rescue services. A storm has stranded us here for over a week. Anyone please respond. Then go do it then. If we can leave, we need to get moving. This storm is not normal. We must leave. Until next time.